iron muscles still aching from the arduous climb, the barbarian set eyes upon a sight unseen for centuries. Ivory spires jutted from the emerald canopy like knives, dense jungle hiding the true extent of the ruins. Somewhere in that long-forgotten maze of toppled marble and jungle rot, the wealth of kings lie hidden. An inhuman roar issued forth from the shadows. The warrior tightened his grip on the sword at his side. A grim smile drew across his lips. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Rogues in the House podcast, your newest and most exciting stop for all things sword and sorcery. My name is Alex, and I will be your war chief, your tribal elder, and your host for tonight. Uh, and with me, I have two of the deadliest knaves this side of the Black River. First up, we have Logan. How you doing tonight? Good, how are you? Good, doing well. And then on the other virtual side of me, we have Matt. Matt, what's going on? Oh, not much. Getting uh, ready to do this first run. Very good, yes. Uh, and we were just talking, some of us have nerves, some of us have nerves of steel. So we'll see how this turns <laughs> out. Uh, I think hopefully we'll do something, something special tonight. Some uh, of us might even be quaffing wine to uh, get over those nerves. That's good. So, yeah. see, see, you two are both smarter than I am. <laughs> um, so, you know, we wanted to get this podcast together. Uh, this is a, a, um, a passion that I think the three of us share. Um, but I think, you know, for those who are tuning in for the first time, and they have no choice because this is the first time, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what we're setting out to do here? Uh, Matt, do you want to you kind of chime in on that a little bit? Sure. Um, well, we kind of came together uh, over something that is probably the sort of thing we're going to be talking about. So it was Conan Exiles. Woo! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Crack that, crack that stone, build that house. Yeah. Uh, so we started it. there, um, hooked up basically over the Conan Gaming Group on Facebook, which I've uh, admin for several years. Um, and I think we're, we're trying to take sword and sorcery in a pop cultural context and look at it through that lens rather than um, strictly literature. We're, we're going to sort of look at the, uh, the offshoots and, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly of that, because, I mean, there's, <laughs> frankly, there's some ugly. but There's plenty there's of ugly. Of, yeah, there's a lot of gems out there as well. Yeah, we're going to try and cover comics, movies, games. We're going to do an episode on metal music eventually, so if that's your jam. That'll be pretty nice. That's pretty sweet. So, um, you know, one of the things we started talking about with all this was where we first landed you know how, how did we first find ourselves in the genre what was that first thing um and i know for me uh, i was a child of the 80s and i know uh, i know matt's gonna chime in on this as well so i won't try to steal every last bit of thunder on this um but you know you after a while you can watch a lot of those 80s shows growing up on saturday afternoon um trying to sneak them uh, the, the shows, but the movies, obviously, you get some Conan movies going on there. Uh, and that was one of the biggest things for me. Um, Matt, why don't you take it away and tell us a little bit about all the craziness that you watched? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I am a child of the 80s. I was born 82. Uh, so that's actually, I was born, I believe, a month after Conan 1982 came out. 
Nice. Which, uh, uh, there's, there's something there, right? There's, uh, there's a bit of a prophecy, I think. Uh, so. uh, Logan, are you the baby? How old are you? I am. I was born in 87. I am 31 years old, the... and I have none of the stories that you do about sword and sorcery. I didn't see comics. I didn't see Conan in theaters. Um, wow, yeah. I, sh I sure did yeah. do that, but I mean... I was still at the point where, um, you know, you'd see a lot of paperbacks and those, I mean, back in the day of VHSs with, you know, Boris Vallejo covers, um, you know, I, I, I experienced all of that. But I guess for me, um, the three things that jump out at me uh, as far as my childhood memories go are He-Man. Oh, I was going to say that, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, that was my and we, favorite and we, cartoon as a kid. When we, when we talked a little bit about this before the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, none of us brought up He-Man, and that was totally something I've been sitting on for a while. I just huh. love a He-Man Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's the first thing we brought up then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, you know, like I've been on, um, I've been in a lot of Robert E. Howard and Conan-focused groups over the years, and, you know, a lot of people will scoff at it a little bit, at He-Man. And I'm like, uh, oh, yeah. you know, you're a lot older than I, but that's, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a special place for that. And if you look at it as like a gateway as well, which, to be honest, I don't remember what my earliest memory is. I don't know if it's He-Man or if it was Conan the Destroyer, but that would have been my second piece was, because Conan the Destroyer is a, you know, appropriate enough movie for a young kid to watch. Sure. Uh, compared to the, the Barbarian, which I'll just say right now is obviously the superior film. Um, but uh, the other piece was a comic book I remember distinctly, and it was Conan issue 101, and it's the first time, and I, I don't know, again, if I saw Conan first as Arnold Schwarzenegger or if I saw John Buscema's uh, comic book art, but those two things uh, really locked it in for me. And, I mean, ever since... You know, I, I saw Conan straining with a spear against a Kushite warrior atop a log with a crazed-looking spider beneath oh, him. Oh, yeah. I've seen that comic book mm -hmm. in the store. Yeah. That's my first – that's the first piece of art I remember seeing even before Frazetta. And, uh, I mean, that blew my young mind. I remember being at my grandparents' cottage and just reenacting that scene. So, so hold on. I, I want to pause you for one second. Which was the better movie of the two? The Barbarian. Okay. I th for a moment there, <laughs> I thought you had said the other way. And Your heart sank a little bit. Yeah, I was like, well, this this uh, this episode just We're went. done. Yeah, we're done. We're done. We it's ended a... it. Very good. <laughs> All right, so at least we still got a chance. We still got a fighting <laughs> chance here. So one of the ones that for me um, as the youngest, I'm the I'm of, of the, the three of us, I'm, I'm the oldest. Uh, I turned 40 this year, and uh, a little teardrop just fell on, on the desk in front of me. Um, <laughs> was Willow. So, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that was one that I saw in the theaters. That was my parents taking me to this and the freaking wow. crazy scene where they're sledding down on the shield uh, yeah. and the the musical, the theme that they had playing on that. I can't remember if that was John Williams or not. Um, I'll have yeah. to look that up, but I think it might have been. Uh, no, it's it's not John Williams. It's uh, was it? Uh, it's not Goldsmith either. It might be, but I, it, I mean, it was truly a, a really, really epic theme, and I still can I can still sing it in my head. I'm not going to do it on on this, but I, I still can. Uh, and it was that was one of the few things that um, that grabbed me so quickly. 
And that paired with what I was reading at the time. So I was like, before I got into sword and sorcery, I had gotten into uh, Dragonlance and the um, mm -hmm. like the D and D yeah, universe. Yeah. And as you guys know, I'm a I'm a big RPG guy. So mm -hmm. the tendrils from there just started branching out everywhere. Uh, yeah. Before I knew it, I played a lot of GURPS growing up. Um, I had GURPS Conan Ooh. books. Um, I still have those some of the cool. Um, solo adventure Conan books. I'll, I'll take a picture of those and I'll send them to you guys later on. Uh, I love yeah. those. And every now and then I still play them again too. I still, I still roll some dice on those. Calculator or anything like that. What's uh, that? What? Yeah, dedicated GURPS calculator. So you can just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, back then they didn't exist. I was the dedicated calculator. Wow. Oh. So, uh, so what else? Um, Logan, I don't think you really, you got, didn't no, get into yeah. too much. Well, Let's hear from uh, the young one now. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't actually discover Conan or Sword and Sorcery until I was god like twenty one. Um, I used to scoff at fantasy, which is crazy because like I have a whole bookshelf dedicated to sword and sorcery stuff now. Um, but I loved Lovecraft. I loved horror, and I, you know, I read. The, Lovecraft and Howard were pin pals and that technically Conan stories take place in the same universe as Lovecraft stories. And I was like, I got to give this a try. <laughs> um, and so I, I read the story uh, or I read Jewels of Gwalor from the Conquering Sword of Conan, um, the Del Rey edition. I think it's uh, the Servants of Bityakin in there. Mm. Uh and I read it shortly after I saw the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie for the first time. Um, and I remember reading Conan's lines and Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice and then realizing that the two characters were not the same. Yeah. Um, but the, the combination of, of horror and adventure and all of that just, like, it blew my mind. I originally just thought of fantasy as, like, fancy elves with long hair and bearded dwarves and everything. <laughs> and I was like, that's not really for me. I grew up reading like Westerns, um, stuff like that. I guess I think probably my first, my first find like finding the pulp kind of fiction thing was, uh, the mummy and the mummy returns. <laughs> like I, I love those kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. And to me, Conan was just like, that kind of thing with swords and I just instantly fell in love with it. Yeah, we talk a lot about the the parallels too, right? And they even even when we mentioned He-Man, right? That was that that was kind yeah. of funny because that's one of the first things that we said in a sword and sorcery podcast. Yet, you know, is it really sword and sorcery? And that, you know, of course that's one of the big topics that we're gonna jump into and we're probably gonna weave in and out of yeah. is what is sword and sorcery? You know, is he man yeah. sword and planet? Who knows? Like, I mean, I'm not one, you know me, I'm not one who's going to put the labels on these things. If it's fun, it's fun. Right. I can kind of, I can blend and I can, I can borrow and steal. But I mean, right. where, where do you land on that? Like, where's your, where's your line? Sure. Um, I think we talked about, we all have very different definitions of what, at least things we look for in sword and sorcery. Mm. Um, I'm pretty sure he-Man takes place on a future Earth um, after, like, an apocalypse. And I'm going to shout out the Gunther novels. They're, like, Kindle novels by a member of the uh, Conan Gaming 
uh, Facebook page. Uh, Steve Dilks, I believe, is his name, and they take place on a future Earth. And I would consider those sword and sorcery, so I kind of have to put He-Man in that group. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't know about those. That's neat. They're really good. They're fun. Cool. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so Matt, where where do you stand with uh, with how you feel like where that window is, and and you know where do you draw the line in the sand? It's hard to say, you know. Um, I think if we uh, like, I'm almost more comfortable calling it heroic fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. But by the same token, I was actually just reading uh, from the Sword and Sorcery anthology, uh, edited by David G. Hartwell and Jacob Wiseman. Um, at the beginning, I think it's David Drake gives a uh, he gives an intro on his sort of uh, look into what sword and sorcery is, and he sort of said that you know sword and planet, space opera, sword and sorcery, you know the skin is a little different, but the sort of intent and the pacing and the excitement is all the same beast. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Um, it's tough to say, like what you know, what can be there, what can't, as far as aesthetics or or skins, as as the video game generation would call it. But yeah. um, you know, I I don't know. It is a really it's a nebulous concept, and and it is something that no one seems to fully agree on. And, and actually, I think that's what's going to be so uh, fun about this show is us exploring that and looking at it from these different angles. Like I don't believe we're truly questing to find out what the ultimate definition is. Right, yeah. But rather just explore it, see where it is, test its pulse, you know? Right. So I wanted to read this to you guys. This is on, I'm sure that pretty much you guys and, and anyone who's going to listen to this uh, has read it before, but the, the, def, the, you know, the blurb on Wikipedia for Sword and Sorcery. So Sword mm-hmm. and Sorcery is a subgenre of fantasy characterized by sword-wielding heroes engaged in exciting and violent adventures. Check Mm-hmm. An element of romance yeah. is often present, as is the element of magic and the supernatural. Unlike the works of high fantasy, the tales, though dramatic, focus mainly on personal battles rather than the world endangering matters. Sword and sorcery commonly overlaps with heroic fantasy, which is what you said. Uh, but I think the underscore right there is the personal battles over the world endangering matters. Definitely. And, and uh, that's if you're going to draw a line, it feels like that might be where it goes. And, and I think, right. too, perhaps this is where uh, people think about, like, the Elric stories. You know, oftentimes they're called sword and sorcery, but some people will say, well, but there, there's, there's definitely a, a heightened danger uh, for the whole world or his world. Um, and I think you the- can argue that in Conan as well in some of the stories. Yeah, I agree. Cain, yeah, um, to an extent. Wagner's Cain, I think. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a type of that uh, in the novel. Yeah. Um, I... So I recently wrote a review for season two of Castlevania on Netflix. And just like we were talking about, um, the world is in danger in that season. But each of the characters, um, I feel like, have more of a more personal motivation for doing what they do. Just like Kane has a personal motivation. Elric has a personal motivation. Um, I don't think anyone could argue that the world wasn't in danger in Hour of the Dragon. Mm. Uh, but Conan wasn't really setting out to save the world. He wanted to reclaim his kingdom, mm-hmm. and in doing so, saves the world. Yeah, um, true. More of a personal motivation. Sure. Um, 
So could you draw that parallel to uh, Game of Thrones then, which I know you like to do. You're oh. you definitely want to do, right? <laughs> I, I think about Game of Thrones a lot because I'm going to be honest. Of the three of us here, I'm probably the one that least likes Game of Thrones, although I have <laughs> been enjoying it. Matt finally convinced me, and I got a three-month subscription to HBO um, so I can get through this. Well, but, I, I, if, if nothing else uh, – if you don't want to sign up for all of it, just watch a handful of those epic episodes. Yeah. Some of the finest fantasy action set pieces, you know, ever laid to film. And it's just a damn shame when I imagine people who are huge fantasy fans who have not seen, you know, hard home, like you should definitely yeah. check it out. And it sounds like you can get there. So uh, Matt, uh, when, when you're thinking about game, game of Thrones, do you put this in, well, I don't think that you put it in Sword and Sorcery, but you always have said when we've talked, it, it has the elements, right? So Yeah, some of it's there. I mean, um, but I guess the thing about Game of Thrones is that it is so, it's so big and large spanning, and it does get on to a personal level with the characters, but even then, none of those characters, uh, of the point of view characters, exhibit the sort of characteristics of heroic fantasy or sword and sorcery characters. Sure. Yeah. There's a, uh, you know, the closest thing you're going to get to Conan in that is probably Braun. Oh, I love Braun. <laughs> Easily my favorite character. Yeah, Braun's it's... awesome, but he's yeah. not a viewpoint character, right? In the books, when you're reading it, it's not really Braun's tale. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So, you know, I think the, well, this is getting us closer to something like Grimdark as well. Which is a whole other subgenre, which oh. I'm sure people there are there are podcasts about it, of course. But um, yeah, I, I would put Game of Thrones more so in that territory. I think another thing that's interesting too is um, the the time period in which we look at these things, right? So I think there's a difference between a 1930s sword and sorcery feel and mm -hmm. the 1980s sword and sorcery feel. And then even yeah. a 2018 sword and sorcery feel. And, yeah. and of course, there's like anything, right? You have this like retro, you know, throwback feel that you try to try to uh, capture or maybe an author would like to or, uh, you know, a, a movie tries to grab. But they are they do have very different feels to them. And I mean, I don't know. In the 1980s, uh, it was very, very different in terms of what was okay and what's not okay. So, yeah. Uh, so that's changed quite a bit at the very least. But what do you guys yeah. think about that? So when I think of this, um, having read quite a few 1930s kind of pulp sword and sorcery or even just adventure horror or whatever, they looked at it as a legitimate genre. Like it, they took itself seriously and they were telling a serious story. And while from what I know of the 80s, um, on the movies I've seen and everything, Conan the Barbarian, the movie is really the only serious, took itself seriously, work from that time period. There are so many knockoffs that are just pure cheese, bordering on to parody. Um, while some of the comics from the Marvel run are really good and faithful, uh, eventually they, I think they just kind of run out of stories, and it's just schlock, I guess, from my <laughs> point of view. It's a good term. Um, and... And I think the 80s kind of stained fantasy in the eyes of people. 
that maybe aren't drawn to fantasy because I guess and my limited experience in this kind of thing um, from Conan the Barbarian 82 to the Lord of the Rings movies I don't think there are any fantasy movies that I know of that took themselves as something not just to be laughed at yeah I mean certainly nothing uh, really really heavy mainstream you know, it, yeah. was, it was that I think the Lord of the Rings probably marks maybe that period uh, right. where where we and where where we are, where we find ourselves now, right? Where things are where it's sort of this like renaissance of uh, all, kind, to, like, all kinds of fantasy. Yeah, trying well, to shake off the burden of that parody mentality. I would go as far as to say that uh, as far as pop cultural interpret or uh, expressions of fantasy, you've got Conan in the 80s with the films, then you've got Lord of the Rings in the 2000s, and then you have Game of Thrones. Right, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, you could say Harry Potter is gigantic, but I'm not going down that road. Yeah, different different thing altogether. Sure, sure. Exactly. Yeah, we're not, we're not really sword-wielding there uh, so much. Yeah. Um, no. You know, that's an interesting point about the 80s, because I guess it's sort of uh, a love-it-or-hate-it sort of thing. And, you know, for me... The love it, I, and I know we're kind of circling back to our previous topic, but, but um, you know that it's so much of it is nostalgia for me as well. Like it's the stuff mm-hmm. that I grew up with, um, so you feel that comfort layer of of um, uh, uh, of this is this is what it was like to be a kid again. You know, sure. Um, right. So I watch any of the Conans, and I'm like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> you know, and just the other day, I was watching. I watched both or rewatched. Uh, both uh, the first two Death Stalkers, not both, but there's, there's a few oh. more. Oh. And um, I, <laughs> I was amazed at just how bad. I mean, they're really, really bad. So uh, bad. But they're still so good. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I just, I, I can't help myself. Uh, and you know what? I, the funny thing is, I don't know how well you know these movies. Um, the You've first, seen the first. Uh, I've not seen Beyond It, but so it, it is definitely watchable. What I'm going to say is going to completely blow your mind. The second one is so good. (laughs) But again, no, it is horrible. Don't get me wrong. It is horrible. It is a very bad movie, but I love it. And the worst part about it is they completely lift and recycle scenes from the first one. Oh yeah. They have no so, problem doing it. They just and they show characters that are dead in the first one and they're just in the second one doing whatever they were doing in the first one. No problem. They don't care. Uh, and like- that and that was so to your point, I just wanted to wrap this up. To your point, oh, yeah. this was a one of these movies that didn't take itself seriously. And fine, it is what it is, but it is so good. <laughs> it's so worth the watch. Uh, and but it's hilarious. I mean it's terrible. So if you, if you have some time to burn, there's this YouTube channel called Good Bad Flicks, and they have an analysis of all the Deathstalker movies. That I can, I'm, I'm gonna have to take a look. I'm yeah, have, they're yeah. they're actually really entertaining. It's funny and it's also informative from like a like a film perspective. Mm-hmm. But yeah, check that out if you guys out there are interested in that stuff. That's great. That's funny. Um, right now on Amazon too. I don't. Do you guys have Amazon Prime? I do. So, I do not. Yeah, I forgot the whole Canadian thing. You guys have Amazon? Does that, that exist for you guys? I don't even, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, the the movies that they have on there, they have a pretty decent selection of, um, I'll, I'll call it sword and sorcery, um, but kind of good stuff. Like, I would say some good stuff. Solid. 
Yeah. Check it out. Um, they have, what was the animated one that I was um, thinking of from the 80s? Uh, Fire, Fire Night. Night. Yeah. Oh, Fire yeah. Night. Yeah, that that's was a, on there. That's a decent film. That I was on there for a while, too. I don't know if it still is. It is. I actually watched it two weekends ago. Yeah. The unique, uh, one of those things that's kind of hard to believe we even have, right? Yeah. Um, Frisetta yeah. and Ralph Bakshi. I mean, there's some really cool stuff in that film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, totally. Goofy elements, but um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a relic and a treasure. It is, and, and yeah. supposedly Robert Rodriguez is still working on a live action one, just that's, like that's, Red Sonia. But definitely, knows? that's cool. Which might be for the best. I don't know. Uh, I would love to see because that guy's clearly a huge Frazetta fan. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he has done good work. Um, so part of me would would love to see it, but the other part of me would wince in anticipation of what might come out. Right? Sure, sure. Well, you you got to hope that people just keep trying, and then you know with yeah. the with the technology that we have now, and it still matters. The screenplay obviously still matters a lot. Um, yeah. But you hope that these things just sort of uh, have an upswing a little bit. Um, well, there's. T- and uh, I mean, there's uh, Death Dealer was said to be the uh, film for that was said to be in development. Um, if you look at the Frazetta girls, mm-hmm. which uh, yeah. daughters and granddaughters kind of run it, they do a lot of apparel and merchandising. But yeah, the, there were some posts I remember uh, not too long ago um, talking about that sort of thing. So you never know; could see it. And in well, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was so disappointed to hear that Amazon apparently dropped. That was my question. That was exactly my question. Nope. Yep. Um, I still have. I would consider The Witcher to be sword and sorcery to some extent, maybe a little bordering into high fantasy, depending on which story you're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have I have some high hopes for The Witcher series. Still devastated at the loss of Conan. Yeah, it's it's a tough break. I, I think that. Um... Well, I, I got to say, I saw the the one makeup test with Henry Cavill, and I was a little like, ooh, I'm not I, sure. I, I agree there, yeah. Just a makeup test. Right, so benefit yeah. out for sure. But I, I, I just have a weird feeling that that one has the best potential to be the next big thing as far as uh, fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. Sorcery or not, um, you know, I think I think that that's going to be something special. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. we'll hope. It, it has. It certainly has the potential. Like it lends itself to a series very well. I think. I, I think we're in a, a period now where the because video games are uh, generational at this stage, mm-hmm. and everybody past a certain age basically has played a video game. That is where the new source of inspiration is going to continue to come from. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're going to see games adapted into series game and this is just going to be the, the way of it just the same way the comics were before that and you know the uh the dime store novels and that sort of thing sure well, and what's gonna to happen that. what's gonna happen too is you're going to have a video at some point it has to happen a video game is going to be adapted and it's going to be really good it's going to be an awesome movie and then it's going to be similar to what you saw with, like, uh, you know, the Marvel uh, situation where they finally nailed the character on screen and then, you know, yeah. it's, it's the biggest series probably ever. Yep. Um, yeah. And on that... the topic... Oh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go right ahead. I was going to say, on the topic of gaming, um, I, we've talked about this before because we met 
like we got together on Conan Exiles. Um, <laughs> the passion for like the lore or like the world that Funcom puts into that is awesome. Whether you like the game or whatever, like we just lost our base on a PvP server, whatever. <laughs> um, is it a grind? Yeah. Are there glitches? Totally. But as a Conan fan, as a sword and sorcery fan, like I think they nailed the atmosphere, and I'm excited to see what they pull out for uh, the single player campaign. Yeah. Whenever that whenever yeah. that drops. Yeah, That's, I did see that. That looks pretty cool too. Um, yeah, so we don't know much about it, but for Conan Exiles, they are they have announced that they're doing a single player, uh, probably a patch, I think, um, where you can play as Conan and do a, a whole campaign. Now, yeah, think, it's got like story missions and things like that. Yeah, like it's it's not uh, it's not going to be a, like a new game release, but I think it's definitely a cool feature that they'll be that they're putting in there because we, we've all talked about you know the basics of that game are you know it's very much a survival game, but we always say yeah, but it does it's not going to hurt you to put more quest elements in there, right? Right. Players and I don't even I mean obviously I'm not a video game designer, but I don't see that as being a huge uh, task to do, really, to, like, give me a few run-around-the-world quests, right? Right. Because, like, there's lore pieces there. There's bosses, there's stories, there's dungeons. Just, like, give it to me like Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, and, and that is that is a tall order, of course, but, I mean, they already yeah. have the world built. That's, I, that's, that right. is even the, the longer pole, I would think, that if you're measuring it, right, and building the world, building all the mechanics around that. Now all you're saying is just, hey, go here and there. And they already sort of do that um, very lightly, of course, with the, um, yeah. you know, follow and chase those things. Uh, ch the, ch checking yeah, those the boxes. Steps. Thank you. I couldn't think of what it was called. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. You bailed me out. I was like, check the boxes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But they said they actually said themselves that they were trying to get a bit of a Skyrim vibe that they were influenced by when developing the game. So this does not surprise me. That's cool. yeah. That's and this that's the first um, real survival game that I've ever played, which I thought was was pretty cool. I mean, yeah, me too. I mean, that's <laughs> Conan's yeah. a Simon song for me. I, I'm gonna be drawn to it no matter what. Even right. Whether or not I like the game, I was gonna buy it day one just to support the brand. Yeah, and I do like the game. I, I really yeah, do. do. Back yeah. to it. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes. So what do you guys think about um, and this? I'm going to kind of shift a little bit, but I, I find a lot of uh, older kung fu movies. And again, <laughs> I think we're missing the, the sword wielding aspect of it, but I feel that a lot of them kind of fit in that sword and sorcery vein for me anyway. And I was wondering if uh, do you think I'm crazy or do you think that uh, there's an, something to that? I gotta say, I'm not well versed in old kung fu movies. I don't even think I've seen a whole Jet Li movie, or not Jet Li. Um, sorry, Bruce Lee movie. That's the beer talking. Interesting. Sorry. Yeah. No. Right. Well, either way, you haven't seen a Bruce Lee or a Jet Li movie, so yeah. we're good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. There's definitely a lot of elements that I feel um, kind of persist. Um, I think that you know, a lot of times, of course, you're uh, you're not necessarily getting the magical element. Um, but you get that personal hero story where they go and sure. they have to sort of triumph for something. And usually a lot of the time they're they're downtrodden for whatever reason uh, and they have to sort of um, rise up against whatever it is that somebody's taken their home or, you know, killed the village or the master. 
Uh, and it's, yeah, a lot yeah. of the time it's a not not to be too ter- too stereotypical about it, but it's this you know redemption or revenge revenge tale. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I've always kind of felt that those two sort of walk side by side together. Maybe see, I'm crazy. I always see that in westerns. Um, I see it in westerns too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I think. Yeah, go ahead, Matt. I have nothing. I have nothing of value. And it's like the the sword and planet. Uh, situation we were talking about earlier where it's like those things are just kind of a skin and those kind of tales could could exist regardless of the very specific niche genre and i'm sure someone out there could probably write a paper on why big trouble in little china is a sword and sorcery film if you wanted to sure i mean there's there's definitely the uh shoehorn anything in as well which i mean i'm guilty of too i'm kind of like well i like sword and sorcery so everything i see is sword and sorcery yeah yeah (laughs) first episode i think cracking this thing open as wide as we can is not going to hurt yeah that's right that was so that way when we come in in a year from now with a kung fu episode (laughs) we'll have already laid the groundwork for it like oh yeah these guys are crazy Crazy. They already talked about kung fu. Yeah. You were wrong. You were wrong. There's a hall of mirrors. There's a hall. Of mirrors. Don't So, how do you guys feel about romantic comedies in sword and sorcery? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Adam Sandler fits the traditional role of a sword and sorcery here. Yeah, he is Ben Stiller. Yeah, ben Stiller yeah. is the is the Conan, the Conan of rom com. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yep. No, we've lost everybody. This is good. Yep. We're done. <laughs> This is good. So, so, um, so what else? I, are you guys, do you have your eyes on any comics these days? Because that's obviously a really big, a big space for, um, for, for this whole genre. Oh yeah. Well, we've got there's there's one big uh, elephant in the room as far as uh, a giant switch up in sword and sorcery comics, uh, which I think perhaps we should leave to another episode uh, to discuss thoroughly once this debuts. But, you know, we must probably mention that Conan has been reacquired by Marvel. Yes! Uh, yeah. you've all... People are going to hate me for that. No, oh, I support that for sure. But, I, look, I, I feel like we have short memories a little bit with that because Conan had amazing runs at Marvel Comics. Oh, yeah. Savage Sword of Conan is probably those are probably the finest Conan comics ever. John Buscema, Ernie Chan, I mean, yeah, come on, those black and whites, not uh, stuck back by the the comic code. Come on, but right. And Dark Ho- Dark Horse did a great run with lots of stuff, but they lost me at Queen of the Black Coast <laughs> design. I don't yeah. know who was in charge of that. That was, that was but, a Brian Woods comic. Um, oh God. Yeah, like, I couldn't pick up a single issue of any run after they did that. Yeah, I remember I was uh, I was an admin at the uh, International Robert E. Howard Fan Association at that time. Yeah, uh, there yeah. Was, there was hate flowing in about it, but there was some talk of like, you know, people speculated maybe Brian Wood was like almost purposefully sabotaging it or like trying to like poke at fans because fans lashed out so hard, which. Which is interesting in its own way, the whole fan uh, creator dynamic that has become sure. such a thing these days, right? Like creators getting destroyed. You know, you think of like The Last Jedi or whatever. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was not. And I've read other Brian Wood comics that weren't bad, but it was not a good fit, in, in my opinion. It was. Yeah, it's not even like it wasn't the art style or like the story, like the characterization and everything was. It was still fine, like. 
uh, Marvel did a run where Baylit was one of the main characters and everything, um, but they took the Conan being young thing yeah. way too far to heart. Listen, they, they have a cover where he uh, and Baylit are, are naked and they're like putting drugs in each other's mouths and there's like flowers all in yeah. the background. Yeah. That was it for me. I remember being in the, <laughs> I was in the comic store that day and uh, you know, my friendly neighborhood comic guy at Monster Comic Lounge puts this thing out on the table and I was like, no, 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 that's it. I am not buying Go this. Away. And I <laughs> started kicking up his thing and you know, I'm known as like the Conan guy at the comic store because <laughs> I'm buying that stuff, right? But uh, Sales they, plummeted uh, that day. Yeah, that was the moment. Yeah. I was like, that's it. I'm done. And then I did not buy a, a Dark Horse comic uh, beyond that point, actually. So, and again, I'm not trying to trash Dark Horse. They did amazing. No, not at all. Not at all. By the same time, I think that, like, I feel like that is done now, too. Like, they've they've adapted most of the good stories. Um, I mean, the King Conan run, they, they adapted all of the yep. mean ones, Timothy Truman and Thomas, Thomas Giarello. I don't want to murder the names, yeah. but those were amazing. And I feel like that's kind of the peak. Yeah, that's, that's as good run. as you can get. You know, I mean, Marvel, you know, they get a lot of flack. I, I have not read their comics in the last 10 years or so, but. I've read I think- some Thor. I like Thor, um, as a character, um. I, I'm a huge fan of the Marvel movies. Um, my old roommate and I see every one of them. We talk about it nonstop. Um, yeah. I've always said if someone was going to save Conan, it was going to be Marvel. Like, if they put, if they made a Conan movie in the MCU, and this was back in the day when we didn't know what the Infinity Stone arc was going to go to, yeah. like, if there was an artifact, like the heart of Ariman, if that was an Infinity Stone and that was the tie... <laughs> Like yeah. Marvel would have made a great movie, PG thirteen or not. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Well, and I hear a lot of this too. It's like you, you know, look, we're all in these Conan groups on Facebook. Yeah, but I hear a lot of things of like, oh, Marvel's gonna completely ruin it. And it's like, first of all, you could make a PG Conan movie, and it would be awesome. Yeah, it's called Conan Destroyer. Okay. Can't show nudity, but you can do a lot in a PG movie, and so, you don't need you don't need to swear. Uh, right. I mean, I don't know. I'm getting down on a different. I mean, I'm getting to a different topic here, but um, no, no. I, but so I, one thing that we had talked about too, and I think it, this is relevant um, in 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 the grand scheme is uh, when we, when we talk about Conan, of course we we love that, but we all love sword and sorcery. So right. what Marvel can do is they can make Conan just a character. And yeah. sure, that can have its own line, but it's yeah. what they bring in next and what yeah. they do Agreed. next. And, and as we were talking about, when we were talking about uh, Conan Exiles, nobody wants to, well, I don't know about nobody. There's some, a subset of people, and certainly the three of us are in agreement, that you don't want to play as Conan. Mm. You want to play I as agree. the guy or the girl next to Conan. Swinging, yeah. swinging your swords, creating your own adventure. And that's yeah. what, so Marvel reacquiring if they're if they're smart, they they start to spin up some new characters. Let's test the waters. Let's see what what sort of happens within this genre, this world 
Um, right. You know, the setting that we have and Conan can appear and disappear as we need sort of yeah. the way now, you know, and this is where people are going to throw stones at me. Uh, what they are doing with, um, with with Star Wars, right? I mean, some of the characters we know. That's true. Are, are that. getting phased out, have been phased out. And then they're mm -hmm. doing spinoffs on other characters. I mean, you're starting to see uh, crossovers in ways that you were like, well, I didn't realize that um, this, I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but you know, in a certain <laughs> movie named Solo, uh, other characters from other oh, episodes yeah. shows up and you're That's like, holy right. cow, you know, that was not something that you really thought was going to happen, but um, you just, you don't yeah. know what you can do with a universe until you start building the universe. And to right, date, like Marvel, I mean, uh, sorry, to date, um, the, the Conan universe is really not that flushed out um other than the books that we know you know i mean there's of course right. there's there's uh different adaptations and all that but i mean if someone was to put this on screen they can do a lot with it i th i think with uh like i think marvel you're going to see they're going to focus very closely on conan himself the character they've got i believe three different comics coming out in 2019 i think you're going to see one of I think you are going to see Conan join the Avengers at some point. That's my speculation. <laughs> that just seems silly. Though. That Which, seems silly. It could, it'll uh, be cool, but it seems silly. Yeah, as, as, a, as a what if scenario, like I I don't have a problem with the Avengers having Conan in it, but I would have a problem if you if Conan's comic and his his continuity involved. Oh yeah, I went uh, in for a bit and then joined the Avengers, and now I'm back in the Hyborian age, like. As long as you keep those two streams separate, agreed. Yeah. I'm on board for a bit of fun speculating with the storytelling. Why not? But um, what I was going to say is, there's also the Perilous Worlds Publishing House. That's is, exactly what I was going to mention. Right. So we got Kevin and Entertainment um, have opened up this this new publishing house, um, and I, th they're going to start with some. Uh, they're going to release, re-release a Conan pastiche, which is highly regarded as like the best. Emerald one. Lotus, yeah. and it's hard to find. It's expensive on Amazon. Like I've always wanted it, but I can't find it. So I'm pumped for that. Yeah, I have a copy. It's actually on the top of my to be read stack, probably for the purposes of being able to talk about it on the show. Um, Book club, and that's that's John, <laughs> yeah, that's John C. Hawking, um, and they have a second one, like sort of a, a lost pastiche of his, which is coming out. And then Howard Andrew Jones is going to be he's he's editing actually all the Perilous World stuff. I love uh, Howard Andrew Jones. Right. I'm reading one of his books right now too. Shout out to Desert of Souls. It's a it's, it's a it's a really fun read. I'm almost through it. Um, but I, I think what you're gonna see is after this wave of Conan stuff, they're going to start publishing stories, uh, novels about perhaps some secondary characters. I've heard on, on their website there's a novel advertised about Baylit, like how she became the Queen of the Black Coast. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, that's I, where it is. That's where it's at for them. Like, I mean, if if Marvel and if the universe can grow in that way, just in general, and I realize we're talking about different um, different ownership and different publications here, yeah. but but that right. concept right there is where I think you need to take that. And well, you know, one one last thing. Oh go no, go ahead, sorry. Well no, I'm just thinking like between the three of us, if you look at like a market sample, you know, we have seen every, every Conan movie. We've read every Conan story. We've, we've yeah. almost been Conan'd out. Now that's never going to happen for me. Right. Right. I am more at this point. I have transcended my, my love of, uh, of just this character. And I am a Hyborian age fan. 
Exactly. So, yeah, you really are. Right you there you both you. really are. I mean, you guys I think are. A lot of people, man, it's like they now, want more from this world. And when, don't, call it Hyboria. Call it. don't call it Hyboria. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll get Matt's goat. <laughs> all right i'm done for a minute sorry no, that's all good um i was gonna mention like but what we're talking about has been done before when funcom made age of conan right they had three trilogies um one with an aquilonian knight one's a sumerian like half sumerian half a seer warrior and the other is like uh a Stygian thief slash becomes a sorcerer. Oh, you're talking and, about that novel series, right? Yeah, the novel series, the the Age of Conan novels, and there's three series. No, there's four series. One's about a picked boy. Yeah. Um, and they're all. Some of them are less good than others. The Aquilonian one is really good. The Sumerian one's decent. The picked one is actually really good. In like to me, um, and I enjoy hearing more about the Hyborian Age. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point, man. I I, I would uh, almost like to see some kind of a poll, right? Like, if, if yeah. we somehow just get the entire, uh, you know, Conan readership to weigh in, like, what would you prefer to see? M- more new material pastiches about Conan or pastiche about um, the Hyborian Age? And I, I would be really interested to see the results. It sounds too. like I, something I, we, we can put onto it. the Facebook page. Oh, you're a genius. Well, this you know, why I, you're tribal elder. I, I've been called a genius many times, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, and the one thing uh, about Marvel having their fingers all over it means that uh, in a lot of ways, Disney has their fingers all over it, which right. means that when they shut down Pleasure Island and create Conan's world of pleasure domeness, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be visiting that. I'm going to go to yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd, that'd uh, be something. When the when the brews are, are served in gigantic mugs, and um, you know, I I will only assume that it'll be a 1980s version, so the women will all be scantily clad, of course. Yeah, well, there's going to be a long line of men in fur diapers. Yeah, I, was and hard, women I knew that was coming. Bikinis. Yep. <laughs> I knew the fur diaper was coming. <laughs> yeah, well, now that that's a topic for a later show. Yeah, right? we're not going to talk about that today. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So, so, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was, I, I was, I was actually playing host for a second, and I was looking at, uh, you know, we have some notes on on where to go next, uh, and I think we did we skip right over like uh, who we are. I, I, I hope think we not. did skip over who we are, like kind of. We introduced ourselves, but so go ahead, talk about who you are. Well, I, I don't want to go first now. I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. Whatever. Um, now that we are. You know, kind of nearing close here. My name's Logan. I actually live in New Mexico. I'm a history teacher. I'm an archaeologist. Um, I want to be a writer. Uh, I won't say I necessarily strive for sword and sorcery every time, but I always try and go for that pulp flavor. Um, yeah, I, I just I love this genre. I love that it. Uh, it takes me to times and places that I'll never get to visit, I think is what the feeling is that I always get from it. Yeah, well yeah. well put, honestly. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, hey, I'll go next. Um, sure. So as I said, my name is Alex. Um, I am located uh, just south of Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I. Um, it's interesting that you are an archaeologist. Um, I was a, well, I, I majored in anthropology in, in school. That seems like an eternity ago, though. 
Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah, I double majored in anthropology and music, um, thinking of That's doing ethnomusicology at the time. Um, yeah. And then, uh, of course, um, when uh, when I graduated, we hit the uh, the dot-com boom uh, right sure. around there. So I was I was out right around 2000 or so. So I said, oh, you know what, I'm going to take, uh, take a job and, you know, not go to grad school or anything quite yet. Uh, and that working thing kind of stuck. I, I saw that money was kind of cool. Um, so I started doing, started doing that whole thing. Um, so yeah, so I, now I'm, um, um, I work in, I work in technology, uh, and I am a dad. Uh, I do all those cool things, uh, soccer weekends and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, this is, I, I mean, I, not to echo what you said, but this is the escape, right? I mean, this yeah. is my, this is my touch point from my childhood from when it was a, a free time. Uh, for me, um, I'm an avid role player. Uh, I love RPGs, uh, tabletop RPGs specifically. Um, so, you know, for me to be able to dive into any kind of lore um, and make my own. And, you know, not, I'm not a writer necessarily like you guys are, uh, but the writing I like to do, I like to, uh, I like to play act it, I guess, um, at the table when I can. So, sure. anyways, that's me. It shows, man. You know, you've got the... You've got the speaking voice for the host. <laughs> sure, you've got you got a D, you've got a DM voice uh, of someone who, whose table I'd like to share for sure. Yeah, well, you if, know what? I think at some I point, if I was a listener, I would tune in. You know, maybe once a month for an hour. So, <laughs> same. Yeah, you don't say <laughs> to this very podcast. Uh, you know what? I, I would love to at some point, and I've said it before to to you guys. Uh, I'd like to to put together a short adventure, maybe like a one-off and we can uh, segment that as part of, um, as part of this uh, podcast as well. Yeah. I'd be down. Yeah. I think totally. it'd be fun. Um, so I guess I me. Matt's the most famous out of all of us. Yeah. He's, no. he's, uh, ro- he's, he's a uh, sword and sorcery royalty here. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. No. <laughs> um, I will say there are many different things that would bring me to uh, being a contributor on a podcast called Rogues in the House. Um, I, uh, well, let's see. I, 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 I probably started off being a huge nerd as a kid, as I said, He-Man, Conan, that sort of thing. I started playing Dungeons and Dragons second edition when I was in the sixth grade. It was my first experience with that. The players made me be the priest, and I was like, I don't care. I'm playing. This is awesome. (laughs) Uh, And so I did. Uh, At this point, a few years ago, um, I picked up RPGs again, and it was like, well, I'm playing uh, Conan. So we started playing the Mongoose game, uh, which I will still play to this day sometimes. I quite like it. I started playing that, and I was like, you know what? I don't see a, a group dedicated to Conan, So, like on Facebook. And I started Conan RPG Players, which later became Conan Gaming Group. Uh, And through that group, I met tons of different people, got hooked up with the community. You know, I met a lot of Howard Scholars and gamers. Um, And then uh, when the board game for Conan came out by Monolith, I, I guess got on their radar. And eventually they invited me to come work for them. So I've been... Uh, doing writing and the community management uh, for their games, which is, you know, I'm going to be honest, a dream come true. Uh, managed to write uh, uh, an RPG slash board game book for Modiphius uh, on Conan, which will be at the printers. Is at the printers right now, I believe. Um, 
and uh, otherwise, I'm an English teacher part time as well. Uh, you know, you I'm a busy guy. Be at all? <laughs> yeah, should I? Yeah, I'm. Uh, we're currently running claustrophobia, of course, but that'll be over by the time this airs, so we don't need solid. Um, you are so, li- living the dream. Living the dream, my I, friend. It sounds that way. Uh, I certainly, um, I'm certainly very appreciative, and I am trying to enjoy every minute. I'm incredibly busy, and uh, you know, I feel like I'm pulled in two directions, but I, I would not trade it. Busy enough to it's not solid. keep. Busy enough to not upkeep the base. I'll tell you that. That's much. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That, that. Hey, oh, all that iron. Signed in, I tried. It's gone. <laughs> it was clearly her week to babysit the base. <laughs> oh. So, uh, yeah. so listen, I think we're going to start to wrap. But, uh, Logan, I know you wanted to um, give a plug, a, a shout-out as well, right? Yeah. So if you are listening and you like what we have to say, um, I've posted a couple of reviews on a few different Facebook pages, one of the Scorpion King 4, I believe, and one of Castlevania Season 2. This week, you should look out for my review of Outlaw King on Netflix, starring Chris Pine. Oh, yeah, and yeah, and can you, not not looking for a spoiler, but what do you think? Yeah, like the, it, the, the just the general I like gist. Chris Pine is an actor. Um, I'm not quite sure what historical event it's going for, but I've heard that it's actually a more accurate version of Braveheart. Well, so you haven't seen. So, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, you're just um, going to review. Got going, it. Okay. I think after this, yeah. I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to write a rip of a review. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and then we're also going to do our prehistoric creature of the month feature. Yes! So if you're a gamer and want some interesting monsters or find new ways <laughs> to use those, or even if you're just interested in prehistoric history, I think we're going to, every month, we're going to have a new prehistoric creature. We're going to feature on our Facebook page. That's great. <laughs> um, and you, uh, you've you been working on some stories there too, eh, uh, Logan? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've submitted to both Weird Book at your suggestion and then Heroic Fantasy Quarterly. Um, I write Sword and Sorcery uh, sometimes. Um, I also write, like, action-adventure, um, kind of like almost sci-fi kind of thing. I like... The prehistoric creatures, like that kind of thing. My stories usually center around some kind of throwback or monster or prehistoric creature that comes up. And, you know, if, if I don't get picked, maybe on occasion I'll put some of my stuff on our, on our website just for funsies. Well, you know, look, there's, there's a really cool uh, – I, I hesitate to call it an underground, but, I mean, it kind of is. Um, as, as far as, like, the weird tales go, you know, you've got – uh, Skelos is floating around. Yep. Weird Book is is managing to survive issue after issue in a small niche genre of weird. Um, I was talking to Howard Andrew Jones at Halcon, and he was uh, he well he didn't have to really sell me on it, but I picked up a copy of Tales from the Magician's Skull. Which right, I've seen that. Yeah. I, I, let me know if it's any good. You no, know, we're all sort of. I'm sure in, it's good. Trenches, right? And and it yeah. kind of, these stories aren't, you know, novels are where it's at as far as fantasy goes and people buying things. Right. We all, I think, would agree that short stories are just, they're an awesome thing to have on your bookshelf because if you don't want to commit to an 800-page, three-part, 12-part yeah. 
series, you know, I'm never going to give up reading yes. short stories. Yeah. It's an awesome place to cut your teeth as an author as well, I think. We talked about video games, and, like, I'm always aching for a video game where I can just pick up, I can fight some monsters, have a quick adventure, and be done. I feel like short stories are like that. I can pick up a short story in a couple days. I followed a character on an awesome adventure. They fought some monsters. They killed a bad guy, whatever. Yeah. And that's what short stories are for me. So two well, things yeah. real quick on that. First of all, your video game for short pick up and play is Monster Hunter. I'm telling you. <laughs> you we got to get on it. We got to get, gotta get on, on that. Yeah. And second of all, uh, short stories for a guy like me, I'm a real busy guy with uh, a yeah. kid and all that stuff. Uh, I love my short story anthologies. And I will go yeah. back to them time and time again because I like being able to fin finish something. And a yeah. lot of times I can't finish a novel anymore. I, you know, by the time I sit down to read, the book is literally hitting me in the head and I'm falling asleep. So yeah, if I can get, you know, yeah. 20 pages read of a short story and feel like, yes, I have just finished something. I went through the adventure and it's good. Uh, yeah. That is, that is worth its weight in gold for me. Totally. Yeah, I agree. And, um, yeah, I, I agree. Like since I've had a kid, uh, uh, we've, had a foster kid uh, come into our home. Like I, I know that the fatigue is real, right? Like you can't, those 800 page books are, yeah. uh, they're a behemoth to, to think about. Um, I'm still working my way through. I just finished uh, the first two books of our Scott Baker's um, the darkness that comes before, which are sure. grim, evil, grim books. Um, uh and they took me months. They took me months because every time I'll get a couple pages and I'm just done. So, yes to short stories. Oh, and pick up Weird Book uh, issue 40. It's the it's the most recent uh, issue with a little tale from yours truly. Oh, nice. That's, I did not nice. know that. Cool. I'm going to look at that. Um, gotta say I completely lost it because I just had a drink of beer. I'm sorry. <laughs> ruined it. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> so listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll us uh, roll us home here. Um, we do have an email, everybody. This is this is exciting. We're in the the email age. Uh, Rogues in the house cast at gmail .com. You can find us at or, or you can find us on the Facebook page too. Uh, is that the same name? I have actually haven't gone. It is. Yet. It is uh, just Rogues in the house all on right. Facebook. We're the only ones. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine we got that name? How cool. Yeah. So our intention is to uh, to get this episode up on iTunes, uh, Google Play, and, and SoundCloud. But I imagine the very first place that it will be linked is on the uh, is on the uh, Facebook page, right? I think that probably be. Yeah, I think that's the plan. The way to do that. Um, so any any uh, final words from you guys? Uh, Logan, what do you got? Well. Uh, for any of you who actually tuned in and listened, I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed what we had, um, and I hope you look forward to what might come of this. Uh, because in the end, while we have fun, we're really just kind of doing it for everyone else. Yeah, right sure. on. Right on, Matt? I'll do the hot take and say, yeah, it is for other people, but uh, I have a lot of fun just talking with uh, fellow nerds uh, on the internet here, so... A, a lot of these, it's a personal endeavor as well. So, um, it's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. And I, you know, if other people are getting enjoyment out of it, then man, uh, that's fantastic. And, and what a niche it is, right? Like, right. And what a <laughs> good time to be interested in it because Marvel, Perilous Worlds, Modifius, Monolith, Funcom. Right. 
Con- you Conan, and, and you know what? Maybe when we come back uh, for the next episode, I, I, personally, one of the things I really want to talk about, and this isn't actually because of uh, self-interest, but it's just the idea of Conan and gaming. Like, I truly believe that uh, Conan yeah. right now is is alive and well in pop culture because of games like the Monolith board game, Conan Exiles, was pretty big sales. Um, yeah, it did well, yeah. Yeah. RPG, you know, those are um, those those have been doing really well with the character. So, um, and before I shut my uh, yap, um, <laughs> I also just want to shout out too to the Chromecast. Um, yes, I was talking to to Josh from the Chromecast, and you know, I said to him, "Hey, man, I, you know, I really love your show. I've, I've talked to him off and on for a while, but it's like we're thinking of starting our own little thing here, but we're going to focus on the pop cultural uh, element and, and not not so much specifically the literature." So. Um, I just want to shout out and plug that show as well. I'm sure most people who would venture uh, here to listen to this have probably already listened to the Chromecast, but if not, yeah. it's uh, it's three smart, uh, you know, educated dudes talking about Robert E. Howard and then, of course, all the offshoots. So if you've I not think that, their please. newest season focuses on Lost World Tales, and I saw that they're going to talk about a King Cole story and then one of my personal favorite novels, um, King Solomon's Mines by okay. Ryder Haggard. Nice. So if you're into that kind of stuff, check it out. Very good. Right on. Cool. Make sure if you want us to talk about something or you have a comment or want to complain about how our opinions are wrong, please email us and we'll do our best to address you next time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so again, that email is roguesinthehousecast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, I'm Alex. Again, thank you all very much. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. Thanks for tuning in. And may your swords always remain sharp. Mm-hmm.